Good evening. Welcome to Left, Right and Center. I'm Vishnu Shoma on the program tonight in a huge victory for the Adani Group. The Supreme Court has said that the report by the OCCRP, which is an organization funded by the billionaire George Soros, among others, cannot be the basis for doubting the capital markets regulator SEBI's investigation into the Hindenburg case. Delivering the judgment to Supreme Court bench of Chief Justice Chandrachut and Justices J.B. Pardiwala and Manoj Mishra have said that there were no grounds to transfer the probe to a special investigating team. The court has also made several other key observations. Significantly, the court ruled that reliance on newspaper reports and third-party organizations to question the statutory regulator, in other words, SEBI, does not inspire confidence. We'll be going through the judgment in the Supreme Court with some of the country's leading lawyers, ex-SEBI officials and market experts, experts looking very closely at what has happened, where this has all gone and the significance of today's order. But first, this report. A win for the Adani Group after the Supreme Court refused to transfer the investigation being carried out by market regulator SEBI into Hindenburg Research's allegations of accounting fraud and shell companies against the Adani Group to a separate special investigating team saying the power of the court to enter the regulatory domain of SEBI is limited. In a clear verdict, the Supreme Court said the facts don't warrant the transfer of probe from SEBI. The court backed the panel report that has said there was no price manipulation by the Adani Group and added that newspaper and third-party reports can be inputs but not evidence. It's a complete exoneration of the Adani Group. The court has said that it trusts SEBI it does not warrant any CBI or any other police investigation as demanded in the four hit petitions and no other material was found to warrant any other investigation. Supreme Court has given three months for SEBI to conclude investigation into the remaining two allegations and take the investigation to their logical conclusion in accordance with law. The Supreme Court also ordered the government and SEBI to check whether Hindenburg has ignored rules in shorting the market and to take action accordingly. Adani Group Chairman Gautam Adani welcomed the Supreme Court verdict in the Hindenburg Rao, saying that truth has prevailed and that we are grateful to those who stood by us. In a statement, the Adani Group said that there was an attempt to set a false narrative by a manipulative presentation of matters. Bureau Report, NDTV. Well, joining us, Jane Gupta, former executive director of SEBI, Siddharth Lutra, senior advocate in the Supreme Court, Sanjay Singh with us as well. And we'll be joined by Sanjay Asher, the senior partner at Crawford Bailey & Company, in just a few moments. Uh, Mr. Gupta, let me come to you first. The larger story as far as, as far as the Adani Group is concerned, is this, does this essentially mean that the Adani Group has been given a clean chit uh, in all of the allegations which have been raised in connection with Hindenburg? See, in an indirect manner, yes. But direct manner, no, because Adani Group was not the person accused or something. It was not a case against Adani Group. So it was something to do with SEBI, something to do all other things. But indirectly, we can conclude that since none of the allegations that were leveled by Hindenburg in its report or OCC are in their report, have been found validated by the Honorable Supreme Court, one can safely conclude that nothing wrong has been found to have been done by Adani Group, whether it is case of market manipulation, whether it is case of insider trading, whether it is case of 
रिलेटेड पार्टी ट्रांजेक्शन यू मे से और इवन एफ डी आई वॉलेज दैट इज वन द सेकेंड थिंग कोर्ट है अदर टू केसेज विद इन थ्री मंथ देर आई एम ए वेरी स्केप्टिकल बिकॉज सेबी वॉट एवर टाइम यू मे गिव इज ऑलवेज डिपेंडेंट अपॉन ए थर्ड पार्टी फॉर सप्लाइंग द इंफॉर्मेशन एंड दैट थर्ड पार्टी इज नाइदर अंडर द कंट्रोल ऑफ ऑनरेबल सुप्रीम कोर्ट नॉर ऑफ द सेबी सो दैट इशू विल ऑलवेज बी रिमेनिंग अनसॉल्व एंड देन फर्दर वी कैन डिस्कस वॉट एवर क्वेश्चन यू आर बट वन वन कैन से दैट as of now all the allegations have not been proved and i would say that we did not know the court's requirement for this because we were all along been aware that what hindenburg had written was only cut and paste of all the news and information that was available in public domain and that two half baked information all the negatives were pulled together but positive arising out of the negative which were nullifying those negatives were फॉर्मेलिटीज and the power of the supreme court to enter the regulatory framework of sebi is limited in other words if anybody wanted this to move away from sebi elsewhere in terms of an investigation the supreme court seems to have suggested no that you cannot just bypass institutions so let's be very clear in a mechanism where you're dealing with the securities market we have had sebi as a regulator for since it was created and that is the body that is tasked under the law to look into securities related issues including regulatory issues and can even consider prosecutions can also be launched if necessary now this is the domain by which we operate and most nations operate on a similar uh, domain jurisdiction where they have regulators oversight of doing carrying out oversight into such matters Uh, the supreme court in this case has done three things one it is of course accepted that sebi has a robust regulatory framework it has said that the suggestions of the committee should be looked into and that's very important because regulatory frameworks can't be cast in stone they have to be keep getting updated as new ways of business new technologies come into existence and therefore it is important for uh, regulations to try and keep pace with technology they'll never actually keep pace with technology because technology is too fast but at the same time that attempt must be done constantly secondly the supreme court has also accepted that the investigation or inquiry done by sebi in exercise of its statutory powers into 20 out of the 22 instances or allegations that were made is is valid and therefore the exoneration if we may call it that is valid and on the contrary it has taken an adverse view of the occ rp report as also the um, the hindenburg report and said that those are based on unfounded information and not substantiated thirdly in the context of pis the court has taken a view that media reports should not be relied upon unless they are backed by substance and therefore 
the concern that they've raised is that PIL is an important jurisdiction and the petitioners should have had substance in what they were saying, evidence in base, uh, on the basis of which they wanted the relief that they had claimed and merely because the petitioners feel that the regulatory mechanism is not adequate or not to their satisfaction is not a ground for the Supreme Court to enter and look at regulations and the efficacy of it based right. on petitioners' pleadings. The court seems to be satisfied with the regulations as per the directions given. That's the view. And that is where it has closed the matter, right. apart from a very valid direction, which is to look into investigator, in, sorry, investors' grievances, because investors have lost money, and that's a matter of concern. Okay, I, which I the just interrupt you because you, you know, you've, you've summarized it as you brilliantly do in court all the time, but I need to discuss each of the points. Uh, so let me just uh, go across to Sanjay Ashar. One of the key points uh, which Siddharth Dutra was mentioning. Uh, is the reliance on a third-party organization report without any verification. The court said it, you cannot rely upon that as proof. I think it's important to make the point that it's not as if the Supreme Court has said that you cannot refer to third-party information, documents, media reports, etc., etc. The only point that the Supreme Court has said is that you need to verify it, and there has to be a basis in those documents which you are relying on if you are bringing it to the Supreme Court. And in this case... Everything that the petitioners appear to have relied on seems to be lacking in merit. Is that essentially the point, Mr. Asher, that the court was trying to make? Absolutely. That is exactly, that is exactly the point. Mr. Asher, go court. ahead. Yeah. yeah, go ahead, Mr. Asher. Yeah. That, is, that, is, that is exactly the point which the Supreme Court has made, that it can't be a conjecture, it can't be uh, hearsay, it can't be some media report on which basis you run to the court and try to snatch some of the other orders. So therefore, there has to be some reliability, some uh, authenticity of the reports or of the points which you are trying to make. And um, the other key point, and Sanjay Singh, would you like to come in on this, is that the Supreme Court, if you take a look at, at the verdict itself, is trying hard to ensure that the interests of small investors who've suffered so much, who've had their investor wealth wiped out when Hindenburg happened, that that is protected and that this judgment isn't just about Hindenburg and Adani, it is about protecting small investors even in the future. Yeah, that's a very important part because ultimately it is the small investors and also some big investors and there was an attempt to even to make... Uh, the institutions like LIC and SBI suffer uh, because political allegations were made also made on that count. It was very significant that Supreme Court uh, said inquiries should also be conducted against those institutions, uh, which actually made this happen, including Hindenburg. That's a different matter as to altogether as to how those inquiries can proceed because uh, Hindenburg is not based out of India and their operations is, uh, are not here. But uh, that sends a very uh, strong message across. Uh, Vishnu, remember, for last one year, since uh, January 24th last year, uh, there is a, a great deal of uh, political controversy over the issue. The opposition parties, Congress in particular, tried to make this as something which uh, would bring uh, the Modi government, potentially uh, impact Modi government very adversely uh, now and in 2024 elections. 
we have also seen uh, some entities uh, uh, based abroad like George Soros and OCCRP, the Bachi funds, uh, coming out with another report at a time when G20 was to be held. Yes. And uh, at the time when uh, the nation was basking, uh, uh, celebrating a uh, landing of a uh, satellite on moon. And uh, there was also attempts to say that uh, the LIC's money has vanished and uh, SBI and other uh, public sector banks are going to be in great trouble because of this. Uh, parliament, you know, was uh, stalled uh, uh, last year. Budget, whole budget session was washed out. Uh, president's uh, uh, made an address to the parliament, uh, the new president, uh, President Murmu then. Uh, then she was a uh, new president. And uh, Thanksgiving motion was not allowed to be debated. All this and ultimately it was the investors, small investors who suffered. Also, there was an attempt to put question marks on credibility, on regulatory mechanism and our regulatory institutions. Because if you have to target some nation's interest and business, then you also target those right. regulatory and So Sanjay, you, you, know, you mentioned lots of points on, on what took place you know, inside parliament, outside parliament for the best part of the last year. Mr. Mr. Gupta, based on what you have read in the Hindenburg report, the OCCRP report and what the Supreme Court has been looking at, do you believe that there was some sort of a conspiracy or is that argument that this was a conspiracy too far-fetched? See, it will be very difficult to say whether there was a conspiracy or not. But when you look at the sequence of event and timing, it very clearly says or means that it was aimed to hurt at the maximum. Hindenburg itself says that its objective was to make money. It was sitting on the information for six months, released the report only when the FPO was to be there. When there was a Republic Day, the chief, some guest was coming. Then there was a budget. So all that was orchestrated. Now in normal course, if any intelligent person was to read Hindenburg report, it will very simply conclude that this is a biased report because the writer wants to benefit. Even if I agree that the writer wants to benefit, I will still examine it critically. Now, when I examine it critically, somebody sitting in Timbuktu may not know the fact, but somebody sitting in India certainly know the fact that if Rajesh Adani was arrested by DRI in 2004 or 2006, it was all the way till Supreme Court he was exonerated. So when you do not give the exoneration thing, only give the arrest, the arrest has lost relevance a decade back. But I am harping it today. Now, our intelligent people latch on to that and do instead as they orchestrated attack on that. So that very clearly indicates that while the Hindenburg had a motive of making money, the other people who were orchestrating for the Hindenburg report as a gospel truth and Adani Chor hai, State Bank doob jayega, LIC doob jayega, they were having a motive which I cannot say what was the motive, what they wanted to achieve. But I can certainly say that their action was not to target or was not resulting in only hurting the people who they wanted to hurt, but they hurt other people also who could have been their supporter. For right. example, 
स्टेट बैंक में है ट्वेंटी करोड़ थर्टी करोड़ कस्टमर ऑल ऑफ देम कैन नॉट बी वोटर ऑफ अवर पार्टी सो देव हर्ट दो इन्वेस्टर्स नाउ दे हैव हर्ट द एल आई सी पॉलिसी होल्डर्स बट वर्स देन दैट द पीपल हु डिड नॉट है पेशेंस एंड दे वेर पैनिक बाई दिस हिंडनबर्ग रिपोर्ट एंड फॉल इन शेयर प्राइसेस sold the shares at a very low price right now but today the price has come back now who compensate their loss no no exactly and and i wanted to just take that question to siddharth luthra uh, mr luthra that's one of the points uh, which the supreme court got into saying that uh, you know if there is anything which has taken place which is in violation of laws by the short sellers then there needs to be some sort of legal process invoked what can that legal process actually be these were people sitting outside our country who published a report it had an impact on our markets if there is to be punishment or a process towards that then how does that begin so i uh, i would say the first step lies with sebi looking into those transactions because that's the market regulator and they have the necessary expertise at some stage if sebi believes that the investigation has to be taken further if there is as uh, the previous speaker said uh, series of events which constitute or point towards a conspiracy then that information can be shared with the other investigating agencies of india who do relate and work with agencies overseas and are able to carry out effective investigations overseas with the assistance of their counterparts um one of uh, one of the other key points um sanjay ashar if you can come in on this is that the court uh reaffirmed the credibility of members in the supreme court panel which it had appointed um there were questions raised by the petitioners a, a clash of interest argument was raised i believe by one of the petitioners as well today the the supreme court reaffirmed this for the second time in consecutive hearings that the people on that panel who were advising the supreme court in this case were kosher they did nothing wrong uh it just seems strange that they were targeted in the first place absolutely supreme court has also given absolute clean chit to the panel as well or the committee uh and they found that the conflict of interest issue which the petitioner raised was absolutely frivolous and vexatious so in other words uh they did examine everything and thereafter they have given a clean chit to the committee and the conflict of interest uh, was only a bogey in my view sanjay singh the court also made it clear that just because you want a case transferred from in this case sebi to an sit or from one agency to another it's just not something that can happen unless there are ex- uh, there are extraordinary circumstances so the court said and i want you to reflect on this point such a power is exercised in other words the power of transfer which resides with the courts is exercised in extraordinary circumstances when the competent authority portrays a glaring willful and deliberate inaction in carrying out the in- investigation the threshold for the transfer of investigation has not been demonstrated to exist in other words uh, again backing sebi and saying that you can't just go from court to court investigator to investigator until you get you know a reply or a response that suits your argument 
The Chief Justice, uh, the bench headed by the Chief Justice has made very strong ruling uh, what you were actually quoting here. Uh, the fact remains that in last hearing, if you remember, Supreme Court had come down very strongly, very uh, against uh, Prashant Bhushan, the activist lawyer. And uh, thereon, he, the Supreme Court had practically said similar things and about uh, the third party information and uh, his own NGOs being source of information and for verification, same NGO to be referred and so on and so forth. Um, what uh, the observations and uh, the order, in fact, now they are order of the Supreme Court. They, uh, in fact, uh, the, uh, the orders and uh, the readings out of those orders, I think restores uh, popular faith in the Indian system. Uh, the Indian in, in business, those who are doing legitimate and rightful uh, business, and uh, also the institutions. Uh, what Supreme Court has done has actually upheld uh, not just uh, those are matters of legality, but in larger public perception, what Supreme Court has done uh, has uh, far more greater implications than uh, what perhaps may be debated for this particular case. In times to come, those uh, those part, the third party for intervention, uh, any PIL file for a fishing or roving inquiry to keep uh, the pot boiling and so on and so forth, those would be challenged if uh, the such situations comes and these uh, orders, the portions of these orders would be referred in the highest court of uh, land. Siddharth Dutra, a final question to you. Um, is the observation or, or, or part of the order of the Supreme Court on public interest jurisprudence, which has been made in connection with this case, something that should apply to the legal system even going beyond this case? Because they made it quite clear today that, you know, public interest jurisprudence was expanded to secure access to justice and provide ordinary citizens with the opportunity to highlight legitimate causes. Over here, the court seems to suggest that this, that, that law, that right has been misused. So there are two ways, uh, two aspects to this. Way back in 2005, the Supreme Court in Dr. B. Singh's case had said, you can't rely only on newspaper reports to invoke PIL jurisdiction. That has been, there's a reiteration of that position today. Secondly, the court has always, uh, has over the last, uh, I would say about decade, taken a view that the PIL jurisdiction, which had been expanded substantially, is on occasion being abused by uh, persons who may have vested interest and therefore first they brought in the certain rules and regulations as to who can file a PIL, the credibility of the individual and the credibility of the cause. So there has been a, and there are rules in the Supreme Court now on regulating and even in the high courts on regulating PIL petitions. So there has been a consistent approach of the court to try and ensure that the PIL jurisdiction is exercised only for absolutely legitimate and genuine causes. And I think that's not, that's an important part of our jurisprudence. We can't have, uh, we can't have people invoking the jurisdiction of the court to either uh, halt development projects or even to impact the rights of individuals. At the same time, PIL jurisprudence is important and the right to access justice is important to raise legitimate causes where individual, where people's fundamental rights, where uh, governance is involved, and where transparency and functionality of institutions is involved. 
All right. Uh, thank you uh, very much, all of you, for joining us and for sharing your views on each of the key points uh, which the Supreme Court has ruled on today. We've got several more reactions from leading uh, lawyers uh, and experts from across the country. We'll take a short break. Come back with that. Joining us now, Mr. Mukul Rohatgi, uh, for his views on uh, what this actually implies. Thanks very much for being with us. So, sir, let's go through this point by point. Firstly, what has the Supreme Court said which reaffirms the role and significance of SEBI? Uh, look, uh, the Supreme Court has delivered its judgment on several issues the most prominent being that the, that the Supreme Court has upheld the, the integrity of the investigations done by SEBI, the allegations against SEBI uh, having a lackadaisical approach was rejected, the allegation that uh, SEBI should create new policies or new regulations has also been rejected. The Supreme Court has said that SEBI is a body which is functioning well. There is no reason to interfere with what SEBI has done. The Supreme Court has also rejected any request for transfer of investigation from SEBI to either CBI or any other police authority by placing and reposing faith in SEBI. It also recorded that SEBI has conducted investigation in 22 out of 24 cases. Only two issues remain for which three months time has been given. The Supreme Court has also rejected allegations of conflict of interest in the in the uh, committee members, which was headed by Justice Sapre, a retired judge of the Supreme Court. And finally, and most importantly, the Supreme Court has said that you cannot place blind reliance on such kind of reports without any verification, and those reports cannot be preferred over SEBI and SEBI's investigation. So, in a nutshell, all the pleas raised by the petitioners against the Adani group and against SEBI have been categorically rejected. Mr. Rothke, one of the key points which has been mentioned is that the reliance on third-party reports has been rejected, that a third-party organization report without any verification cannot be relied upon uh, as proof. In other words, it's not as if the Supreme Court has said that you can't bring or you cannot refer to third-party allegations, but they have to have a certain basis. Uh, but whatever was presented to the court uh, Vishnu, was apparently sorry. devoid of that. See, Vishnu, people have a tendency nowadays to file applications in the Supreme Court, rely upon newspaper reports, rely upon other kinds of reports. So all these reports are unverified, they come from dubious sources and in this case it was clear that Hindenburg is a self-professed group 
which believes in short selling which believes in creating upheavals in a stock market so you know these kind of reports coming from these kind of sources you know are, are doubtful are are shrouded in various doubts and obviously they cannot be accepted as evidence by a court especially when you have a robust system of an authority like sebi which has done excellent work in the last more than 50 years so the court was right in saying and it is a normal practice of the court that newspaper reports are not relied upon as a rule unless there is proper verification and evidence to support a newspaper report so that is what the supreme court has done and i am and i have we have been saying from the beginning that this hindenburg is is a motivated uh, uh, entity which is only interested in making making personal profits it has no respect for any share market either the investors or the companies contained therein and therefore i think this chapter has now come soundly to an end mr rothki the, the chief justice the order said the government of india and sebi need to look into if there was any infraction of law by the hindenburg report on short selling and if so take action in a in accordance with law in other words you know people who've lost their money as a result of this there needs to be some sort of justice for them yeah, well i don't think adani group can be held responsible for people losing money because the upheaval was created by the report the report was completely unverified it's unfortunate that you see sentiments play a big role in the market and therefore uh, i must say that uh, you know the the media or the newspapers electronic or otherwise should also be a little circumspect in uh, publishing these reports and making it uh, highlights and uh, you know breaking news etc because uh, this really affects the investor and the market so everybody should be circumspect and uh, all i can say is that this adani group which has been subjected to all this investigation has come out unscathed and one last point i wanted to make was that the expert committee headed by justice sapre has made some recommendations the court has asked the government to look at the recommendations and see whether any systems or regulations of sebi can be strengthened that that uh, by all means that should be done for whatever they have to do but this sordid chapter according to me should now come to an end a final uh, couple of questions there were by the petitioners allegations raised on the credibility of individuals in the supreme court appointed panel the supreme court today said that those allegations are dismissed um could you share your insight into the significance of that observation or that order from the supreme court see uh, i find it a normal practice for people who file uh, so called public interest litigations that they leave no stone unturned in making all kinds of allegations yeah. so first an allegation was made that sebi was lackadaisical the second allegation was that sebi does not have a sound system they should be directed to make new policies the third allegation was against the members of the committee the members of the committee are hand picked by the court headed by a retired judge of the supreme court unless you have some credible material you can't just go on pointing fingers 
merely because you know your allegations have been found to be untrue this should be a lesson to to uh, uh, people who move the court in so called pils and, and the only thing i would add is that if it had been any other jurisdiction including a western country jurisdiction such kind of claims would have been negated with a huge amount of costs now because costs are not imposed by our uh, judiciary people take all kinds of liberties in filing all kinds of uh, petitions which take court time valuable court time courts are hard pressed for time so much time is taken of the committee of sebi of the court and ultimately people get away just by uh, you know losing a case and then they go home so this i think the court should start imposing heavy costs when it finds uh, that the allegations are frivolous a final question the chief justice said the power the, the order said the power to transfer an investigation must be exercised in exceptional circumstances such powers cannot be exercised in the absence of cogent justification it's almost as if in this case and so many others if you do not get justice or a, an answer as a petitioner in one inquiry process you seek another one till you get something that fa that favors you but by making a statement like this is the supreme court not reaffirming that essential point that look there is a process in place over here you cannot just ask to go to any judge or any system that suits uh, you know your your merits or your beliefs see the idea is this that there is already a system in place by sebi sebi is the market uh, regulator to decide all these issues so you can't uh, just ask for a transfer of investigation uh, to somebody else transfer of investigation from the body nominated by law to another body is an exceptional circumstance even even transfer of police matters to cbi is an exceptional jurisdiction because you have local police in every state so so transfer to cbi is, is is itself an exceptional thing it's not normal so here also you ask for transfer uh, from sebi sebi is a specialized body what is the reason that you should transfer it from sebi to somebody else just because you want to create uh, uh, you know some halabalu and, and keep uh, uh, stirring the pot keep the melting pot going on and uh, uh, you want all these things to be done the court has reiterated the law that in matters of policy the court does not interfere unless the policy is capricious or wholly arbitrary secondly the court will not transfer investigation from the authorized body to some other body unless an exceptional case is made out and in this case if i may say no case is made out at all all right uh, sir quite categorical over there thank you very much sir for being with us thanks very much indeed Thank you. Joining us now for his views on this, uh, Mr. Vinayak Chatterjee. Thanks very much, sir, for being with us, Mr. Chatterjee. Lots of points mentioned by the report. I'm just going to go through a, a couple of them. Um, the court has said, and let me just quote what the court has said: "We must observe that public interest jurisprudence under Article 32 was expanded by this court to secure access to justice." and to provide ordinary citizens with an opportunity to highlight legitimate course uh, causes uh, and therefore it has a particular purpose however petitions that lack adequate research and rely on unverified and unrelated material tend to be counterproductive uh, is this what ultimately all of these allegations in this case came to they were counterproductive because they were essentially not verified so uh, vishnu 
the uh, thanks for getting me on this subject because I have studied the case pretty thoroughly. What you mentioned today is right, but it is one of the many moving parts. So if you allow me, yes, please. Maybe in one minute, I can just tell you the five broad principles that the Supreme Court judgment has brought to the fore. Uh, may I proceed? Uh, so that the viewers have the benefit of simplifying the court judgment. So, so the first one is that the court very clearly says that it does not want to step into a legitimate jurisdiction of a technical regulator, which in this case is SEBI. And this has come again and again, where if you remember in the imported coal case with ultra mega power plants, the Supreme Court had sent the matter back to the power sector regulator saying these are technical issues and the Supreme Court should not step into the jurisdiction of an independent regulator. In this case, it happens to be SEBI unless, and it's an important point the Supreme Court makes, unless the petitioners are able to prove that it violates fundamental rights or any provisions of the Constitution. So therefore, in this case, the Supreme Court is not satisfied that it has to, that there are any issues of violation of fundamental rights or constitutional invalidities. So it does not want to step into the, into the, into the realm, into the jurisdiction of an independent regulator. Now, this is a very important point. The second important point it makes is that third party reports cannot be regarded as conclusive proof. Uh, whether they are independent reports like the OCCRP report or whether they are newspaper reports. Now, it says they can be produced as inputs but, need, but should never be taken Correct. as conclusive evidence. Yes. That's bucket number two. Bucket number three is that it does a deep dive on the regulatory structure and the, shall we say, the disclosures required in the FPI regulations, yes. the port, foreign portfolio in, uh, investors. Now, it goes into great length. In simple terms, it says that the court, the Supreme Court is satisfied that the way the current disclosure norms are structured with the latest version of the FPI rules, they see no invalidity in that and therefore no constitutional or legal issues and SEBI can investigate within those and there is really no opaqueness as has been suggested. The second last bucket, the fourth bucket, is that the Supreme Court in this case does not see the necessity for transferring the case to another investigating authority. It says it is well within its right to do so, provided it is convinced that such a transfer to an independent regulatory authority like the ED or CDI is required. But in this case, it believes that SEBI has enough intellectual capital, legislative powers to investigate in its own right and therefore does not will not entertain the idea of transferring to another agency. Now, last bucket, which is bucket five, is really a clarification of a few other points made by the petitioners. One, you rightly said, and I'm not going to delve into detail because you've already covered it in your opening remarks, it cautions against the use of public interest litigation with unverified reports. You've yes. already talked about it. Yes. Let me not say it again. It dismisses any hints about the reports emanating in the past on the directorate but of sir, let me ask you one point because we we mentioned me. this one key aspect over here which we haven't discussed as yet that the supreme court says and i quote sebi and the investigative agencies of the government shall probe into whether the loss suffered by indian investors 
because of the conduct of Hindenburg Research and any other entities in taking short positions involved any infraction of the law, and if so, suitable action shall be taken. This yeah, is huge, so absolutely. You, you Someone has to be accountable. You, yeah, so what you're saying is that any loss to Indian investors because of illegalities in short selling yes. will continue to be investigated by SEBI, and if there are any infirmities found, then action will be taken. That's a very logical stand. And then let me just complete my yes, other point yes. that, that the Directorate of Revenue Intelligence letter was completely tangential to the case. It has been settled uh, and had done and dusted and therefore there was no need to bring it up again. And the allegations, uh, there were in fact said mischievous allegations of conflict of interest among members of the expert committee are unsubstantiated and rejected. That Vishnu is the broad theme, the five clusters, the broad theme of the Supreme Court judgment. So it sends some very, very important legal, regulatory and constitutional messages. But over to you. Mr. Chatterjee, one other key point I found uh, really critical. The court said that it was necessary to strengthen the regulatory framework and protect investors and ensure the orderly functioning of the securities market. Because at the end of the day, we aren't just talking about the Adani group. We are talking about millions of small investors in India who've had, in many cases, their life savings wiped out because of a report penned in the United States, which at the end of the day, so many months later, our Supreme Court said essentially doesn't apply. Uh, it's to protect investors as well. I think that's a huge signal. Signal not just for today, but for tomorrow as well. Yes, you're, you're very right, Vishnu. I mean, this is a different form of aggression against a country, against small investors, where anybody can publish uh, a report uh, either for maligning a group or maligning a country or out of pure economic interest that it has, it has great pecuniary benefit in short selling because it has taken positions on short selling. So I think the court is correct in its assessment that with this learning, with this lesson, we must safeguard uh, both our nation, our, our uh, businessmen and developers, as well as the uh, small and not so small investors. It affects everybody, not just small investors. So it is a wake up call to see what the loopholes are and how they can be plugged. All right, Mr. Chatterjee, we leave it over there. Thank you very much uh, for joining us and sharing us, you know, your views on the judgment uh, on the order of the Supreme Court today. Ryan Karanjawala, the senior advocate, joins us at this stage. Uh, you know, there are lots of important facets, Mr. Karanjawala, in this um, order of the Supreme Court. I'm just going to go through a couple of them. One of the points mentioned by the Chief Justice is that reliance on newspaper reports and third-party organizations to question the statutory regulator does not inspire confidence. This is an important point, isn't it? Because so much of the arguments which were men mentioned in this case relied on third-party sources which were not verified. Well, this is certainly one of the factors that the Supreme Court kept in mind when coming to its conclusion. But uh, so before I sort of get into a dialogue with yeah. you on this question, there are two things I want to point out. First of all, so that it's, uh, you know, public knowledge, Adani is a retained client of the firm. However, insofar as this matter is concerned the firm has not been consulted at all right so whatever i speak to you will feel what is available in the public domain right uh, go ahead sir would you like to add a little bit more to what my to what my question was and, and and you know that really had to do with what the observations of the chief justice on reliance 
on newspaper reports and third-party organizations to question SEBI doesn't inspire confidence. This is important, isn't it? Because as I mentioned, so yes. much of everything in this case relied on third parties and which was unverified information. So that's one aspect of the case. But the real heart of the matter lies somewhere else. Yes. It lies in the following things. There were, as far as SEBI was concerned, 24 investigations against the Adani group, out of which today 22 are completed and the Adani group has succeeded in those investigations. SEBI itself, at the end of those investigations, came to the following conclusions. And this has really nothing to do with what is uh, reported in newspapers and otherwise. So the conclusion is dehorse that. The conclusion was and is very clear. One, that the Adani group, did, as far as SEBI is concerned, one, that the Adani group did not violate and no law was violated in the rise of the share prices of the Adani group. Two, as far as the Adani group was concerned, no investment laws were violated. Three, as far as the Adani group is concerned, the requisite information that they gave was adequate and accurate. And four, again as far as the Adani group was concerned, they did not violate the minimum public shareholding which was required. These investigations have been concluded by SEBI and the Supreme Court has chosen not to interfere with these findings. So as far as SEBI is concerned and in a sense as it has also, these findings have now received the imprimatur of the Supreme Court because they have declined to interfere in the same. Two other investigations are pending. Mm -hmm. Those two investigations, when they come to a conclusion, we'll see what SEBI has to say on that. Insofar as there were three other challenges, as far as the petitioners were concerned. The first challenge the petitioner said was that this should not be investigated by SEBI, but should be investigated by an SIT. Yes. The court has declined to interfere and has said no, SEBI is the correct authority to adjudicate. Secondly, what the uh, petitioner said was that there were two amendments made, one to the SEBI Foreign Portfolio Regulation of 2014 and the SEBI Listing Obligations and Disclosure Requirements of 2015. The petitioners came to court saying that these amendments were wrong, they should be revoked and, the, and a different uh, law should be put in place. On this again, the Supreme Court has refused to interfere, saying that regulations made by SEBI are a part of delegated legislation and we will not choose to interfere in the same. So this is, in a nutshell, basically what has happened today. As you rightly said, obviously, it's a big relief for the Azali group and also for their shareholders. So, uh, the other point that one of the several other points mentioned by the Supreme Court was this. The government and SEBI need to look into if there was any infraction of law by the Hindenburg report on short selling and if so, take action in, in accordance with, with law. Is this not critical? Shouldn't somebody be punished? You know, for, for any number of people have lost no, their first, money in this entire so, thing? So first, so first, while the government will look into it, they'll first have to see whether there's any infraction of law. Right. And if there is an infraction of law, is there infraction of the law as is valid in India? And then, of course, the law will follow its own course. And if some wrongdoing has happened, those people will be uh, punished. But that investigation is still to happen. Right. Was there an infraction? Was it illegal? And so on. Uh, another point which I found really important over here 
is that the petitioners in this case had raised questions on the credibility uh, of some of those in the Supreme Court appointed uh, committee to look into these allegations. And the Supreme Court today made it clear that that was unacceptable. Well, that's something on which I'm happy, personally, because out of those five or six people on the committee, two are personal friends of mine. And uh, one, you know, one final question to you. You know, we're talking about, in a sense, the Adani group because it impacts uh, the Adani group quite directly. But would you not agree that this is actually about millions of investors in the country and that this verdict has far-reaching ramifications? Small investors need to be protected. You cannot just pull out allegations from somewhere, bring the markets down, affect the company, affect jobs and lifetime savings. Isn't that the larger issue that we are looking at? So this judgment has an impact at three separate levels. One is obviously to the Adani group itself. Secondly, to the shareholders in the Adani group. But the third impact is a slightly larger one to the market, to the market at large. And the message that goes out is that the market today is large enough and resilient enough to withstand such aberrations. If something goes wrong, it will be rectified. And the system is sufficiently healthy to take care of any aberration of this kind if it happens again. Also, next time round, if a similar report is made about another group, perhaps the reaction of the public at large will be with more cautious. You know, one final question to you. Again, an important part of this, the Chief Justice saying, before concluding, and this is towards the end of the judgment, public interest jurisprudence was developed to provide access to ordinary citizens. Petitions which lack adequate research and rely on unsubstantiated reports cannot be accepted. Is this not a strong message to the legal fraternity? Well, it's, see, what has been reiterated or stated today has largely been the reaction of the courts over a period of time. Right. While they have always encouraged public interest litigations, they have always been careful to interfere once they found that the basis of those public interest litigations was not substantial. So, in a sense, I think the chief has only reiterated and the court has only reiterated what has been the prevalent law. It's not something new that has been set out. Right. The courts have always been encouraging of PIS, but yes. at the same time have always only been encouraging a bona fide PIS. Right, right. All right, Mr. Karanjavala, thanks very much, uh, you know, for speaking to us and, you know, sharing your thoughts on this important judgment. Thanks very much indeed, sir.